Hi there, I'm Richard Newman. I'm the founder of UK Body Talk and I teach communication to leaders and business people all the way around the world. In this episode, you can learn more about the strategies of storytelling that can take any message and make it utterly compelling. And you'll see how I put this into action to help Chris Lee uh, use a compelling message behind his own business and his message. So you can see the detail behind that. And I encourage you to tune in to the Founder Podcast. Yo, 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 welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Today, I am joined by Mr. Richard Newman, tuning in all the way from the UK. Is that correct, Richard? That's right. Yeah, I'm based just outside London. That's awesome. Awesome. Excited to have you. So, uh, Richard is the founder and CEO of the of UK Body Talk. He teaches entrepreneurs and uh, a variety of different people how to speak, sell, uh, do different things from the stage. He has a very interesting background. Super excited to tell your story today, Richard. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's great. Great to have you here. So, um, you know, looking through your bio and, and trying to understand a little bit more about you, there's there's some that pops up about uh, going and hanging out with some of the uh, monks at a Tibetan, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, Tibetan uh, monastery. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? Sure. So uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I uh, I really struggled with communication, and uh, I realized this at, at an early age, from about sort of four or five years old. I realized I was a step behind in communication. And around uh, when I went through my school years, around about the age of 16, 17, I then started to read books on communication to build up my knowledge in this area. And all of my friends were heading off to university at the age of 18. And I decided I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something meaningful for the world. I wanted to give back because I'd come from a very comfortable life. And I also wanted to understand communication much more deeply than I could uh, just from books. And so I decided that I would go to teach English overseas and uh, the, the place I ended up uh, doing this was in a Tibetan monastery in the foothills of the Himalayas up in northeast India, uh, which took me a few days to get there from the UK. I went across to, to Delhi, then got a train that took me a couple of days across country. Then I took a, a taxi that went for three hours up in the hills, going past these monkeys that were hanging out in the hillsides. And eventually got to this very remote. So place. was it pretty was it pretty close? Was it pretty close to uh, the Nepal border there? It, yes, it is. Yeah, pretty close. So uh, the nearest town was Darjeeling. And to get to uh, Kathmandu from uh, where I was staying was in Kalimpong. Uh, so it'd be about 12 to 14 hours to get from there to Kathmandu. Very cool. I actually spent some time in Kathmandu and then about seven hours away from Kathmandu, uh, we did a service project out there in Nepal where we we helped uh, uh, reconstruct a school and and donated some furniture and different things like that. And so, um, yeah. very familiar with the area and the, uh, I guess the difficulty of driving on these type of roads. So I'm sure this was yeah. like eye opening experience for you. Yeah, exactly. I was told in advance before going out there that if you uh, if you take a bus anywhere, the safest place to ride is on the roof of the bus because if the bus falls down the hillside, you can jump off. Uh, and that was genuine advice that people gave. Uh, so, um, yeah, so it's very, very difficult uh, terrain to sort of get anywhere. And so, uh, as I mentioned, the nearest town 
which wasn't that far away, but the nearest town being Darjeeling was about three or four hours ride in a taxi. And so I ended up in this monastery with this group of monks. There's about 20, 25 monks there, uh, aged from 10 all the way up to about 65. They didn't know what their birthdays were, so I'm just guessing their ages, uh, but they didn't speak any English. And so I was there to teach them. And that big challenge being there's no language to connect us. So I had to communicate entirely non-verbally. I had to use my body language and tone of voice to communicate with them. And by the end of six months, they then uh, were able to have a good conversation with me in English. And I'd learned how to speak Nepali, which I could then speak better than French or German that I studied for years at school. And it all come out of really understanding very deeply uh, nonverbal communication, which is what I then came back to the UK with and started to put into practice in uh, building up my business and working with my clients. Awesome. So you've built up this business. How, how big is this business that you go and you teach the world with now? So uh, there's 20 of us uh, involved in this uh, based in the UK, and we train something like around 15,000 people per year uh, in workshops. So, And that's a, a guess. It's got to the point now where it's hard to keep track. But uh, we got about 2,000 bookings last year to go and work with our clients, uh, anything from one-to-one -one sessions up to sort of small groups. And then I, I will occasionally go on stage in front of uh, a couple of thousand people. That's that's absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, the uh, we are all very interested, the listeners and everyone else, to to really understand because clearly you become a master of communication, whether that's your own personal communication or teaching. We'd love to know and understand some of the principles, some of the basic principles that you teach. Whatever somebody is looking at improving their their ability to teach, their ability to communicate, to sell. Um, yeah. what, are, what are some of the basic principles that you focus on? So, so there's a few different areas that we find that clients really have to master. So firstly, you've got to make sure that your content is good because you can, you can have all the charisma, presence, and gravitas in the world, but if you've got nothing decent to say, then uh, it's not going to work. And even, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I've got this amazing idea. I've got this brilliant company, great product, great service, and the idea will speak for itself. But the, the news I've got for everyone is it, it doesn't. The message doesn't speak for itself. You have to do it. And so you have to figure out, firstly, how do I turn this idea that could be quite complex. It might feel quite dull or it could be a technical message you need to explain to non-technical people. You have to figure out how are you going to change that into a story format that anybody around the world is going to engage with? Because th the reason this is so important is that if you, if you say to someone, hey, um, you know that meeting you went into last week where you saw some spreadsheets and some PowerPoint slides? Tell me everything you learned. And they'll say, I can't remember. I mean, you know, Bill was presenting. I think there was, a, there was a graph halfway through. I don't really remember. And if you say to them, oh, okay, uh, what about that movie that you saw five years ago? Can you tell me what happened? Right, here's what happened. So basically, there's this one guy, and then there's this subplot, and then this is what they were wearing, and this is what they said, and then they did this thing, and it was so cool, and I really want to watch that again. Uh, so that's the power of story is that it, it takes hold in our minds in such a special way that we can retell it and recreate what it felt like to other people for, for many years to come. And so what we share with people, first of all, is how do you take any message, which could literally be a spreadsheet update meeting? How do you take that and transform that into the power of the story? Once we've got that, we then look at their delivery because you can have an amazing story, but if it's not delivered well, then it crashes. So we then show people things they can do physically and vocally that, that can enhance the delivery of it. Absolutely. Let's dive a little bit deeper into that. So for those that are watching this visually on YouTube or Spotify, you'll, one thing you'll notice 
about Richard. He's speaking a lot with his hands, which always tells me and indicates to me that this guy is an awesome communicator. Uh, you know, the, those that that uh, are able to utilize the visual aspects are, are definitely uh, impactful. So let's talk deeper about like what are the key attributes of an incredible story and portraying that story to the crowd that you want that to sink home. Yeah, it's a really great question because so many people have talked about storytelling, particularly in business, for about the last 10 years. It's been this buzz term. Everyone's saying, yes, we need more storytelling. But so many people misunderstand what that is. Some people think it's about talking about what they did on the weekend and telling it as, as a story. Or people think it's about telling historical anecdotes and linking it to your message. And actually, it's not about that. It's about the structure. So uh, there was a guy called Joseph Campbell who wrote this book uh, called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And he was a mythologist. And this is going back to the 1940s, 1950s when he was doing this. And he, he looked at the way that people have structured stories as civilizations around the world across the course of the last many uh, thousands of years. And he found if you look all the way back 3,000 years to the story of Gilgamesh, it is chipped into stone tablets. And it has the same structure that you can find over a thousand years later being used by the ancient Greeks. And over a thousand years later, Shakespeare was using the same structure. And yet these civilizations had no contact with each other. So they weren't passing on wisdom. We just inherently as human beings know that this is how a story should be structured. And if you understand it, you can use it day to day. So, so the simple principles for people to think about is the reason that stories have been told the same way for thousands of years is because of how the human brain is structured. So if you want to tell a really compelling story, you have to engage the survival mind, then the emotional mind, and then the logical mind. And if you engage those three parts of the brain in that order, people feel compelled to take action at the end. So how do you do that? Just to give people a bit more of a sense of it. First of all, to engage the survival mind. This is what always happens in a story. What do we see in a story? Uh, I'll give you an example. I am, I'm just currently watching with my, uh, my kids the Hobbit movies. I haven't seen the Hobbit movies before, and I've never actually read it. But it just gives you that very classic storytelling. At the beginning of The Hobbit, what do we see? We see Bil Bilbo Baggins, who's living in the Shire in Middle Earth, and he has this lovely life. It's called the ordinary world. And then the ordinary world is thrown out of whack. Why? Because all these people suddenly descend on his house, and they say, we're going on a mission, and you're going to be the burglar, and we're going off over here, and that's the call to adventure. And he gets told that, you know, if, if you don't come with us, then life is, as we know, is going to be destroyed, and, and things will never be the same again. And so there is that disruption of the ordinary world that makes him think, I'd better go on this adventure. I have to. The mentor that I've met with says I must go off to the extraordinary world and explore more of myself. And so to take that to a business context, well, what do we do? People are living in the ordinary world. And what we need to do is to disrupt that ordinary world. Otherwise, they will just keep on doing everything they've been doing. And so what's important to do is to highlight for people something they care about and not something you care about as a business owner or a pitch or a leader or so on. But think about who is my audience and what is a challenge they care so deeply about that if I mention it, then suddenly they will feel compelled to listen. They'll say, yes, that's the thing that's keeping me awake at night. And suddenly you've ignited the survival mind. Once you've done that, you then want to engage the emotional mind. And the emotional mind is where you, in business terms, you could say something along the lines of, you know, I understand you're dealing with this business challenge right now. What if three months from now, we were able to uh, transform this situation for you where you're spending uh, three hours less per week worrying about this issue. Uh, we could do it for virtually no money. And we can do this in a way that that is able to put the vision you have for the company into practice in far less time than you imagined. W what if we could do that for you? 
And suddenly the person's thinking, that is amazing. I'd love to, I want to go on this quest. I want to go on this adventure. Uh, just like uh, Gandalf says to Bilbo Baggins, he says, you know, come with me. We're going on an adventure. This is going to transform who you are and transform the lives of everybody else. And so suddenly the emotional mind is engaged, but then the logical mind kicks in and says, whoa, hang on a second. We're getting really excited here. What do you mean? T tell me, give me some evidence here. And that's when you have to give people in business proof and you need to go through how exactly is this going to work? You're going to get from this challenge they currently care about across to a better life that they would like to experience. How does that work? And give them some evidence. Uh, and so you go through then that journey from where you are in the ordinary world towards the extraordinary world and a better future. So you can, you can actually do that. We show people how to do this with spreadsheets. We also show people how to do this with sales pitches. And the biggest one we've worked on to give people some sense of evidence behind this, uh, the biggest one we worked on was worth $800 million, where we worked with the client and uh, I was coaching the CEO and uh, the group that they'd put together to pitch on this. They'd been working on the pitch for over a year, somewhere between a year to 18 months. They'd got down to the final three and they'd been told the day before the final pitch, they were in third place. And we worked with them on their storytelling skills and on their physical delivery skills. And we managed to help them get from third place to first place in the space of the final pitch. So it can work it on every kind of scale from a conversation to a massive life-changing pitch. Very cool. So I'm over here taking notes because, you know, I, I always love a, a great formula or, or a great structure of putting anything together and, and everybody, you know, I, I, I teach sales. That's one of my my backgrounds that I, I've always taught sales and built out incredible sales organizations and whatnot. And so, just the way that you've broken this down, I really love. So uh, for me, what I what I've taken down, you got the three different levels: survival, emotional, logical. Survival is really the identifying the pain that that people are currently in, the need mm -hmm. to survive, the need to get through. You know, a pain point that that's uh, that's really hitting home for them. The emotional is is painting the dream of what's possible and in mm. putting putting that out there of like what if 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 you could get outside of this pain or, or whatnot and then and then justifying it with logic giving proof evidence uh maybe testimonials whatever whatever it may be uh that uh that really dial in and and, and the really logical side of it so yeah i love uh i love that man that's that's a great framework for uh for telling a story mm. Yeah, thanks. It's Keep going. Yeah, it's one that what I love about it is that no matter who we teach it to, no matter where they are in the world, it's so practical and simple, they can instantly create it. So we'll do this with audiences where sometimes I'll teach it on stage in front of uh, a few hundred people. And I'll say, now that I've taught it to you, I'm going to give you six minutes to go and write a pitch for your business. Uh, you can either pitch the business or you can pitch an idea to somebody inside this business. And I say, you, you've got six minutes. And they'll look at me like, what do you mean? You're crazy. Six minutes. I say, that's all you need because it's so intuitive. And off they go. They take six minutes and then they go and pitch to other people in the room. And they say, well, that's, that's, a, better, that's a better presentation. I, I spent four days last week creating a presentation. And this one in six minutes is better because it's going in the right direction, the direction the brain wants to go in when it hears information. This is awesome. So I want to take this podcast a little bit different direction than maybe you've ever done before. Maybe you've done this with other people. Let's use this as a personal mentoring uh, for me. So I I speak on I speak on stage and I'm writing books right now and doing different things. Uh, you know, one I'll tell you kind of who my target audience is and 
and uh, what I'm a master at. And I would love to hear the story or the pitch that uh, that you do with this, uh, just to oh. kind of uh, give it live for the audience to see that how how this is actually applicable. So right. my my uh, my gift to the world is is building culture, growing and growing leadership and teams, right? And uh, and and scaling, right? So those are those are like the the biggest things that I have to bring to to society is like building building culture through teams and, and networking and growth. Um, so end user, mo- most of my end users are entrepreneurs, uh, typically small business owners. People are uh, in a lot of a lot of people that follow me are in the home service or own product space. So they sell. You know things like solar or roofing or windows or those those type of things. Um, how would you position what I do in a small time frame that to be pitched from the stage? Yeah, great. So so let's say that you're speaking to these entrepreneurs, people who are building up businesses around home service and so on. Um, if you've been doing this a while, then you'll know roughly speaking, what kind of barriers they're running into in trying to build a team and trying to scale. They're getting stuck around various things. And so the place that you would start is speaking to them as if you you know them to the point where they think, has this guy been following me around? How does he even know that I'm worrying about this? And so, uh, so, so just share with me for a moment. If you were speaking to them, what do you think is the biggest challenge they face in aiming to scale and aiming to build a positive culture and aiming to build leadership around their, their business? What, what's the challenge they're facing there? Yeah, it would be, it, it would be recruiting top quality talent. It would be uh, you know, structuring pay or, or competing in for both talent and the service, because a lot of times these guys are in the commodity type space, right? And so really separating their product or their offer from, from every, everyone else and, and being a, a differentiator, right? In, in the space, yeah. um, you know, being able to scale from two chucks in a truck to having, 18, 19 locations, right? Like their biggest pain is that they can't replicate their their standard operating procedures aren't dialed in. Uh, yeah. They're very people dependent rather than process dependent. Um, I, I would say those those are many of the uh, uh, the the pains that are are felt by these people. Great. Great, great. So if you know that those are the pains that people are already feeling, then when you when you walk up on stage, what we tend to say to people is if they've never met you before, that you start off with a little bit of setting some credibility. So it could be that the person who introduces you before you walk on stage does that for you, in which case you don't need to worry about it. Uh, but I've gone from I've, I've spoken on stage for two decades and I've gone from everything from the person announcing me like I am the second coming of Christ. Like it's just the greatest introduction ever. And there's lasers and there's there's smoke filling the, 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 this stage and so on. I've had that. And I've also had the other end of things. I remember once this lady introduced me like coming on stage and she said, um, hey, everyone, you know how we had this gold medal winning Olympic athlete here last year doing the motivational speak? Yeah, we couldn't afford anything like that this year. Here's Richard. <laughs> I was like, okay, I've got some work to do here to build my credibility. Uh, so so it, it could be that they build your credibility. It could be that you need to do it yourself. So if you're doing it yourself, then in order to go in there, it might be worthwhile saying, Hey, I'm so delighted to be here with you uh, today. If you don't know, I'm Chris Lee, and I have been working with entrepreneurs like you in the home service industry, working on things like uh, roofing and so on uh, for the last 15 years. And I have helped those people go from 
uh, earning thousands to earning hundreds of millions uh, over the space of that time. And I love doing this. And I want to share with you today a few simple things that allow you to do this. Now, what I know about all of you is the challenges that you're facing. I can, I, I'm sure that if I came amongst the audience now, you would tell me we are having a huge challenge because we cannot replicate. You know, I, I run my own business and nobody else is able to do what I do. And I've tried to take people on, but they weren't as good. Or I took someone on who was really good and then they stole half of my business. And I'm getting to that point where I'm so dependent on people that uh, there's no process that's allowing me to escape this. And it's meaning that I, I got into running this business to be an entrepreneur, thinking it would make me more money and I'd have more time and I'd have this freedom. And now I feel like I'm digging my own grave. Does anyone in the audience relate to this? Yes, they say. So if you've lit up the survival mind. And you've said, I understand your ordinary world. I'm the mentor. I'm Gandalf. You're Bilbo Baggins. Let me take you out of the Shire. And then the second piece you say is, just imagine this. Imagine if you were able to take the journey that I've taken for thousands of people just like you, where you are able to recruit the right people. You can compete with anybody in your industry and stand out as having a special and unique offer such that in the next six months, you could go from having uh, two trucks to 19 trucks and locations across the country. And you can do it in a way that makes you vast amounts of money and saves you time. If you'd like to go on a journey like that over the next six months, then I'm going to share with you the top three strategies that get you from where you are now to where you want to be. And they say, give me a pen. I need to write this down. They say, grab a notebook. Oh, man. Jeez, dude. You, I, like, I'm pretty good at pitching this stuff, but that was phenomenal. And, and uh, now now I'm, I'm assuming you jump into the, the nuts and bolts. You you actually have the logical, you, you give them a couple pieces that, uh, that they're going to be able to bite off and apply immediately. Yep. But then, of course, you leave it kind of open door that, man, I, I can do those things, but I'll need some additional help once I accomplish those things. Yep. I want to go and talk with yep. Chris about X, Y, and Z. Exactly. So, so if you look at, uh, say, Russell Brunson, when he runs his Funnel Hacking Live, this is exactly what he does to, to set up. He does, I think it's a three or four day event. I forget how many days. But, but the first thing he does is that he'll come up on stage and he's a phenomenal speaker, a great communicator uh, and a great salesman. Right. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's so talented. This is what he does. His opening keynote of Final Hacking Live is the ordinary world and the dream vision. And he gets people to a point where they are absolutely fired up. And uh, then he says, over these next few days, I'm going to show you to get how to get from where you are to where you want to be. And so the recent one that he was holding in September was uh, all around the linchpin. And uh, what he did then is he set, he set up, this is where you are, this is where you want to be. He gave you all the elements of the linchpin. And it was enough to go, this is phenomenal. I need this in my business. But I don't fully understand how to do it yet. And at the end of those few days, he said, by the way, if you want to know how to do all of this stuff in great detail, sign up here. And hundreds of people ran to the back and paid $10,000 each. Uh, and because he, he's, he's following exactly this, this process. Uh, and so you, you can go down that track. And the way that I, you know, I do it from stage is that I'll give people that sense to hook them in. I'll then give them strategies. And depending on the length of time I'm there, I'll either get them to the point where they think, wow, I need to know more. And I might say, hey, if you want more, come and work with me or you can buy a book and so on. Or sometimes I might be with them. Uh, I might do, say, uh, a thousand people or 500 people for six hours. And I genuinely get them to the point within the six hours, they got it. They've got all the stuff that they need. They can go away and they can start doing it. They'll, they'll come back for further coaching and so on. So, uh, yeah, the, the rest of the piece is just filling in the blanks of this is the stuff you're going to need. 
Man, you know, that right there, the last 12 minutes of this podcast, for those that are listening, rewind, listen to it again, like he is giving you the exact structure. And this isn't just from, you know, pitching from the stage. This is a one-on-one sales pitch with a customer, right? Like like being able to identify the pain that a customer is currently in. So initially introducing yourself, whatever company you're with, what justifies you being there, catching them in, identifying their pain, telling tell the story of imagine what what would it be like so like for example i i uh, i ran a solar business for forever right and and the uh we we built that business up we were doing 250 million dollars a year in business and and the thing that i taught my salespeople was essentially this exact process right it, it always starts with asking questions identifying the pain really being able for the customer to say yes that's where i'm at and then painting a vision of this is where you can, what would it be like to have ownership? What would it be like if you could kick the utility company in the teeth and, and no longer have to get jerked around by their rate raises or this, that, or the other? Like, oh, yeah, 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 that would be great. Boom. This is the this is the solution. Let me show you the logic side and, and how you're going to be able to make that possible and do it for very little money out of pocket. And, mm. and so, like, this, going back to the listeners, guys, this is like, this is bread and butter. This is sales 101 that has to be a this has to be applied to any business, whatever you are, whether you're selling B2B, B2C, you know, to the government even, right? Just like identifying the the proper storytelling secrets. And uh, man, Richard, I appreciate you diving in deep on that and doing just a, even a personal one-on-one consultation for me. Yeah, no problem. I like to get really practical with it so that people can see exactly how this works and you're so right to say that you know this can be for a massive pitch you do from stage it can be for a pitch that you do to a panel of people or even just uh one-on-one i remember i was doing a pitch once for a telecoms company and i just had to pitch to my one specific uh contact and i got sort of three quarters of the way through the conversation and she just looked at me for a second and she said um does anyone ever say no to you in one of these pitches and I said to her, no, if we get this far, no, <laughs> everybody says yes. But I, you know, I say that it's, it's not about manipulation. If I get to that point with a conversation with someone, I know that it's a win-win. So I only ever go into pitch for business where I think we're the best in the industry. You need what we do. And if I don't think that, then I won't go in that far. But once we get there, you know, you, you can use effective storytelling if you're with the right person. If you've got somebody who, you know, they, they have absolutely no need to ever have uh, what, what you're selling. They may be compelled by you as a speaker, but they may not uh, be buying. But, you know, you want to make sure there's always a win-win journey, that you've found somebody who has a genuine challenge. They've got a real sort of better future they want to get to. And you just walk them through that path and they are taking part in that adventure. And, and the key to the hero's journey is that they are the hero, not you, not your product, not your service, not your company. Those aren't the heroes. The hero is the person you're speaking to. And you're talking about a journey they will go on and how you will guide them through this uh, so that they enjoy that enjoy participating in the whole adventure with you. Awesome. I love it. Richard, I mean, you clearly are a professional that spent many years diving in and understanding this. I mean, obviously your, your time with uh, the Tibetan monks was, was highly beneficial and, and it seems like you were a very, very much a student. What would you say or the key things in your progression to get to where you're at today to become a master of, of what you do? 
So uh, there's been many things, really. I mean, from, from the age of 16 to about the age of 25, I read around about 200 books in the area of communication. I was really fascinated with it. And I thought it, it got to the point where I was reading books thinking I've learned all of this before. But I thought if I can just get one extra refinement on one area of communication, it'll be worth it. And I was reading things around stage presence, storytelling, body language, whatever it was, just to get an extra edge there. And so I went from a place... Uh, and this is actually a strategy that comes from something called the Zulu principle, where uh, I read about this many years back, where somebody who sort of lived in a, in a town in the UK went off to uh, go on holiday and, and learn about Zulus and came back home and uh, happened to go to a community meeting and realized they knew more about Zulus than anyone in their community. Then they studied a bit more about it and realized, actually, I now know more about Zulus than anyone in the country. And it got to the point where they were one of the number one experts in the world. And so the same sort of thing happened with, for me with communication. I went from being terrible at communication uh, to then getting to a place where I understood it better than the majority of people. So that, that was key. Uh, I went also to acting school and studied for three years there in London, where you, you study for about 60 hours a week, where you're learning how to sit, stand, move, breathe, and speak in a way that will connect with people and will help you bring a story to life. And so I was then able to take that into, uh, into my work. Uh, but then a couple of uh, fortunate events happened. So firstly, my, my acting agent, when I left acting school, uh, was then um, able to put me forward to uh, go and meet with a, a Formula One racing team where they wanted someone to work with them uh, who could uh, help them take their, their, their meetings uh, their presentations to their top sponsors from all the way around the world and bring it to life in a more captivating way than they were doing. And at the same time, my hairdresser was hearing about all this stuff I was doing about the monks and the acting and Formula One. And he said, if I give you a free haircut, would you come in here and teach my hairdressers how to communicate? And I said, sure. And so I started doing that stuff and I started doing the work with the Formula One team. And with the Formula One team, the real privilege that I had of that situation is that they gave me a script of information they wanted me to bring to life. And then they booked me 200 times a year for five years where I was delivering to, to a thousand different audiences, but delivering the same information a thousand times and just slightly updating statistics each year. But it's basically the same information a thousand times to a thousand different audiences. And it gave me that opportunity to really understand how to connect with people, how to take really scientific information and make it come to life from senior people, from businesses from all over the world. And at the same time, my, um, my job with the hairdressers, they loved what I did so much. They said, come back again. And eventually word of mouth spread. And I got a call from an engineering company who said, we've just heard from you know my hairdresser that you're the best communication coach in the country. Could you come and teach our engineering company? And so I said, sure. And I got a website up and running and sort of word of mouth was spreading while I was building up this experience to get to the point where I thought, okay, I have a methodology here that is unique, that's different to everybody else, that's coming from this background. And I've, I've proven that it's worked with business leaders worldwide. And then I started to, uh, to teach it. So there's a whole range of different things that happened. And some of it, you know, feels quite uh, fortunate to, that, that those elements aligned. But the piece I would say to anybody who's getting started is, you know, those elements aligned because there was a thousand other things that didn't align, but those were the ones that did. And so I think, you know, in the early days of business, it's about just keep going. If you believe in it, if you're passionate about it, keep going because eventually some elements will align for you and get you to the place that you deserve to be. Man, I love that. For the viewers and listeners, one thing I want to point out that uh, Richard and many of our other guests have in common is the fact that 
They are continuously learning. They are always looking for new opportunities to grow and they are stacking it. And success never comes overnight, right? It, it's it's the little breaks one at a time because he's consistently willing to say yes, put himself out there. I mean, example, I mean, he was trading his work for a haircut. Obviously, you know, many people would say, no, that's not worth my time. But that obviously scaled up and turned into massive amounts of business because you were willing to be out there, willing to learn, willing to teach, willing to continue to do the little things over and over and over again until it has become this massive worldwide education platform, which is just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's so true that, you know, being willing to start small and just educate yourself and learn in every situation and keep going. And you'll never be, uh, you'd be surprised by how quickly that can grow. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. So Richard, where is the best place that people can find out more about your teaching? Where can they attend one of your online programs or follow you on social media? What are, what are the best spots there? Uh, so a couple of things that people can do. Firstly, they can go to ukbodytalk.com. That's where they can find out more about the work that we do, get in touch with us if they're interested uh, in booking us in some way. Uh, secondly, no matter where people are, they can get a copy of my book, which is Lift Your Impact. Uh, so you can get this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you want to. And Lift Your Impact is available hardback, Kindle, and audiobook, which I narrated myself as well. And then lastly, if people want to find me online, uh, best place to find me is Instagram, at Richard Newman Speaks. I put up 60-second videos on there uh, every couple of days to keep people inspired about different aspects of communication. Fantastic. Richard, thank you so much for your time. This has been a phenomenal podcast, just jam-packed with incredible value and uh, i'm really excited to even do an additional podcast in the future with you i think you know the listener is going to ask for for more from richard and we want to know more of his tactics more of his strategies because uh clearly you're the man when it when it comes to uh educating and really understanding uh communication so appreciate your time richard until next time